We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Recapping our latest Best Ball Mania 4 roster and trying to decide has it a chance at the $3 million top prize. That is what we're doing today on Road of His Overtime. My name is Colin Kelly, joined as always by Sean Siegel. Sean, this was a fun draft from the 102. We did things, some of the players we took a little bit different than maybe that we have taken in our most recent draft. So I think that'll be fun to talk through. I know there was a few decisions that I kind of picked a player. I don't know if that's the player that you wanted to draft. So I'm interested in those discussions, how that might have affected our draft at that point or how it would have potentially affected it after. So looking forward to doing that. We had a few teams who were taking some of our players that we were hoping to get. We'll talk about how that might have affected it. So lots to go through today, Sean, what I think will be a very interesting recap show. But as we kick things off, how are you doing today? And how are you feeling about this draft overall? Well, I'm doing very well, thank you. And... And you're not feeling great about the the draft. (laughs) I really enjoyed drafting this team with you. I've got a new article out that, I mean, Colin, when you get to 4,000 words and you're basically just talking about one guy. Now, it extends to a player who I also consider to be more or less a do not draft. But we've had shows in the past looking at why Elijah Moore could be this year's Devontae Smith why Romeo Dobbs could be this year's Devontae Smith. And in both of those cases, I think that the expectation for where they end up is not where Devontae Smith ended up last year. And it's not where Debo Samuel ended up the year before. But guys who would crush their ADP have a new article out on the guy who could be that this year from a different, slightly different perspective. And again, we're looking at teams where the cheapest way to play that offense and the cheapest reasonable way because mostly column you and i are not looking to play the really deep receivers and we had gotten into a little bit of a discussion about it last time we got caught up in the draft i've been really promoting the new piece from bjorn yang barnett because it was fantastic number one but also because there's some really cool stuff in there one of the things talks about setting up these really late stacks and how maybe that isn't the most effective. So I would encourage people to check that out. But that 
dovetails with the way that you and I like to play it, which is to put together these wide receiver heavy teams. That part's not a surprise. Obviously, we had a zero RB team win the regular season $1 million last year. I almost said $100 million. We're not quite to that point yet with underdog, but the prize is 2024 are, leagues. Right. 2024 is going to be $100 Underdog oh prize is very, very <laughs> large. But the zero RB teams have a lot of advantages, which is that you can put together the best receivers and then have that in front of you as you're trying to build out the quarterback position in a way that best takes advantage of week 16, week 17. So when I say the best way to play an offense, I'm not usually talking about a wide receiver four, a wide receiver five, although a team like the Kansas City Chiefs can't help but be interesting. When you have guys like Rasheed Rice, a player we selected in this draft, you have players like Justin Ross, even someone like a Richie James, the vast majority of teams don't have that. When you're selecting those players, you're simply throwing away a roster spot. Wrapping it back around, Colm, excited about that article, excited about this team, some of the players that we picked, but also we're going to have some questions that we have to really grill each other and ourselves on. To start things out, Joe Burrow has an ADP of 408. We had selected both Chase and Higgins, so we're hoping that he makes it to us at the 411. One of the things about Burrow's ADP and this hope that he's going to make it to you is that there isn't as much of a push to get Burrow to fall by simply selecting Chase and Higgins as there are in some other dynamics in the draft. Because when you look at Burrow's ADP there of 408, you already know that that is with a lot of players drafting him who don't have either Chase or Higgins because Chase goes in the first two picks. Higgins tends to go in the last two picks of the second round. So we know that there are a lot of drafters out there who are willing to take Burrow without the two pieces that make sense. They're willing to do that in round two and or in round four. And so uh, you're sitting there kind of trying to make that move and you already know that someone is very likely to grab him. I think because he gets within one spot of us, the psychological frustration, the despair, I should say, that sets in when you aren't able to add Burrow to your team. But Colin, one of the things that it does is it allows you to still play week 17, as we talked about last time, and it keeps you from having so much exposure to the Bengals. You can do some other things. So positives, negatives, how are you feeling about these first four rounds and how they played out? I think it's interesting because it isn't something that we've actively been trying to do in pairing you know, the, the elite wide receivers with their quarterback and then to do it in a situation like this, trying to pair both wide receivers with the quarterback. So disappointing that it didn't work out. But again, sometimes when we do these drafts, it's almost an experiment to see how the team plays out by getting that. This is more an experiment as how the team plays out when that does not work. I'm happy with the players that we have drafted in Chase, Higgins, Stevenson, and Hawkinson. I know Hawkinson was one of the guys that I kind of pitched for in this draft. So if Burrow makes it one more pick, I'm happy to, to take Burrow there. That there then would lead to a decision between Godwin, who we did select at the, the, the 502, and TJ Hawkinson. So that would have been an interesting discussion as well. But 
how things have played out, I'm pretty happy with. But it would have been interesting to see how the team plays out if we get Burrow there and what we maybe try and achieve as the, the draft moves forward at that particular point. But I, I do I like the Hawkinson pick. Um, I know you like Hawkinson, but you're talking about some of the potential options. Like when we were finishing this draft off, for example, we had a number of tight ends that were you know basically free if you want to pick them up in the last couple of rounds. So having the elite quarterback there would have been a potential option. Moving on to that point, I guess I think we're Colin, both. I do want to ask you one other question about these initial picks before we move on, which is that Devontae Smith is generally selected one spot ahead of T. Higgins. I have Higgins earlier in my rankings. I know that you do as well. You made the pitch for Higgins at that point. I am wondering if with time to look at it here and how this team developed do you prefer higgins separate from chase because as i'm looking at this you have a situation where jalen hurts's adp is at the 301 we have a sophisticated drafter picking from the first slot if we select Devonte smith instead of letting him fall to the turn then i'm not saying it's impossible that hurts will be selected there because he is an interesting play overall i think that hurts without either the two receivers is viable if not as good of a pick but when we have chase and higgins and we have two guys from the same team that same game we don't necessarily have as much of the chance for hitting on the right guy if they don't both go off in week 17 and we know that actually still getting joe burrow to fall to us is a little bit of a long shot whereas if we take smith then there's a pretty good chance for Hertz to fall to us. We take Smith, we take Hertz. Then we have the combination. Plus we have Jamar Chase as this massive trump card in round one. I mean, I'm assuming that knowing everything that happened, you would prefer to have Chase, Smith, Hertz. Again, we don't know that that would have happened for us. You, you got to go through the turn either way. I mean, Hertz that's a, I, I do think I, I do think that's a bit of kind of bias maybe from hindsight because we could have taken Devontae Smith Jalen Hurts could have still went at the 301 and then Joe Burrow makes it to the you know the 411 and then we're like oh we could have passed on Jalen Hurts there we could have paired up T Higgins with you know I, th- I think in hindsight knowing what has happened what you're saying is correct that if we could have stacked Smith and Hurts with Jamar Chase in those opening three selections but I also think that that may have also changed how the rest of the draft played out as well. I guess I wouldn't be that disappointed if we got Chase Smith and then Joe Burrow. I think that still is an elite start. I mean, the thing that I struggle with a little bit is that Devontae Smith is just very aggressively valued. And so part of it is that. I guess at that pick, what I'm really hoping for, I know we took Stevenson, but I'm hoping that we're starting the draft Chase Higgins Smith. You know, that, that's the way I'm hoping that that falls that we're getting all three of the wide receivers. Yeah, I don't think that passing on Smith there with Smith and Hertz both available, that there's really any yeah, chance that he's coming yeah. back. I, for me, if once we get to the point that Dalvin Cook has signed, and he, if he signs anywhere but the Jets, then for me, the way I would prefer to play this, even with both Higgins and Smith on the board, would be Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall as these two picks, as I think that both Smith and Higgins are... They can hit... They're really good. They're in really good offenses. But 
I mean, they're already priced with almost all of that upside in at this level. And so that part of it, they're also priced for the stacking option of trying to get it with the elite quarterback because they're priced with a stacking option. And that has great upside for you. Exactly. Exactly. And yet at the same time, taking the quarterback removes a wide receiver pick, especially with Joe Burrow removes a pick that you desperately need to make. And so even if you get the QB to you, then, then there's, I mean, there's significant downside. So when you think about all of the different trade-offs, it's tough. I mean, if we get Brees Hall as the starter there, these Brees Hall and Ramondre Stevenson prices are pretty crazy. It's easy to focus on Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley as being the two really crazy prices at the running back position in almost any other year. Those guys would be going like six and seven overall. Instead, you can take them in round two. But the other two guys that we can't, afford to to miss on and i know that you and i both have high exposure but stevenson hall those are players i think and with hall obviously you've got the injury concern so i mean there's a reason that he's in the middle of round three as opposed to the middle of round one but i mean you're talking about someone with ramondre stevenson where i mean his true value i say true value his value in most seasons before we had what happened last year happen and before everyone finally embraced either a zero RB or wide receiver heavy. I mean, his value is at the one, two turn. Yeah. Early so second, when we're getting right. him yeah. early in round three. I mean, that's, that's a pick that you have to make. The question is, you know, what do you do at the back end of two to really amplify, emphasize, round out that three player start so that you're saying I got the one Oh two and now I have a super team. Yeah. And I think they're all very fair points. I think again, there is times, you know, where we have, been drafting and you're like that that player's not going to get back to us and then all of a sudden like three rounds later not probably not to that extreme but they're still sitting there so yeah uh i still think i, I would rather have Devontae smith and jalen hurts but i think um and the point that you made that we didn't reference is without getting the quarterback and that was what pushed me for to take t higgins there is i thought there's a chance here in the fourth round we can pair that up with burrow based on kind of just trying to have the elite wide receivers with an elite quarterback to see how that plays out in a draft from that perspective. And once that didn't play out, I, I would rather have a bit like we look about with some of these running backs, you know, having just one that can hit their ceiling. I would rather just have Chase R. Higgins when you don't have the quarterback there because the likelihood of both of those guys having ceiling weeks in, let's say, week 17 is, is, is very slim. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Colin, as we go through then into the round five, six, seven range, how do you like those picks? What do you think about the TJ Hawkinson selection, knowing how the draft then developed through, say, round eight? Yeah, so the, the question I was going to have was if we didn't go with Hawkinson at that selection after missing out on Borough, you did mention during the draft, Travis Etienne. Would that have been the, the discussion for you is Etienne at that pick and then still hoping to get Godwin at that next selection? Is that the swap that you would have done? I, I'm still happy to have Hawkinson there. I I thought we would probably settle when we take Hawkinson there as a, a two tight end build. We do add in Laporta. We also add in mayor then in the the second to last round so with how things played out and the options that were available let's say in that second to last round you know trey mcbride goes at the 17-1 we take mayor at that particular point no offense at the 18-3 who would also be interested in mike kosicki 17-6 that meant that um hunter henry who i did joke about during the draft goes undrafted in this particular draft so there is a lot of options there that would have been available for us in this draft but the part then would be interesting to talk about is who we would have changed so if it's a case that we take trey mcbride let's say at the 16 11 which would be two picks before he went in this draft and then take meyer there and possibly finish up let's say we have laporta we probably skip then on meyer there we probably get Derek uh hunter henry keeps on Derek henry in that last round but what would we have shuffled then to the running back position i think I guess the decision there is that if we take Travis Etienne, we, we aren't as concerned because we have Etienne and Stevenson in that 3-4 range. Is that what you're thinking is? It is. And Etienne has an ADP around 41. And so taking him at 47 would have been a good ADP value to start with. But also, I think there's an argument that Etienne should be valued early in round three. And so from that perspective, you're passing on a huge value. Now, the flip side of that, or the little bit of caveat that you always have to add, is that the rhetoric coming out of Jacksonville has been fairly disconcerting. You listen to what they want to do, and they're like, okay, we've got Travis Etienne, and he's probably, you know, Tony Pollard plus. He's probably, you know, a slightly poor man's Jamal Charles. But what we really want to do is take him off the field and make sure that Tank Bigsby gets enough touches. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I don't see how you're going to start competing with the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Bills by doing things like that. So, yeah, I mean, we want ETN to stay healthy. We know that teams are going to use committees in 2023. Even a lot of these guys who are being drafted in the first three rounds are going to have more committee action than it probably seems like at the time. Bijan Robinson, I love as a first-round pick. As I mentioned, I mean, when I get him in the second round, I absolutely love it. I'm willing to take him as high 
as the 107. I mean, he's going to split touches with Tyler Algier and maybe even Cordero Patterson. So you're going to lose touches here. Derrick Henry has an ADP still at the end of round two. Every time that people have bet against him, <laughs> they more or less regret it. He goes in the third round and this draft to a badge drafter who's like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take the value on Derrick Henry in the middle of round three. That's no problem. But Derrick Henry is going to lose a ton of touches to Spears this season. These guys are going to be in committees. Ramondre Stevenson, you had mentioned that we would probably have taken Pierre Strong late in the draft if not for the fact that, I mean, you don't really want to bet against the guy that you drafted in round three, right? But Strong is going to take touches there. So these guys are going to be in committees, but I guess the concern basically with ETN is that, I mean, they seem very committed to letting him just stand on the sidelines and watch the game, which when you're making a pick in the fourth round, you don't want. But I do think that when we look at running backs and where we're getting some values, Jameer Gibbs goes very early in this draft, so we never really would have had a chance at him. But in a lot of drafts, you're able to get Gibbs in the fourth when you're able to get J.K. Dobbins in the end of the fifth, when you're able to get Kenneth Walker in the middle of the fifth, Cam Akers is potentially a value. DeAndre Swift is, as I mentioned in the previous show, I think probably the best pick right now in drafts. He goes in the middle of seven. But also I do think that the tap completely shuts off at that point. Now there are some other guys who could work. There are some other guys who could be vaguely similar to what we got with Stevenson and Pollard last year where they didn't really project that well, but they overperformed their projections in a huge way in part because Ezekiel Elliott had some mild struggles with injury and then just was terrible. You have Damian Harris spends a lot of last year injured, but you have the massive talent upside that those two players bring. A lot of the guys after DeAndre Swift are mostly committee value plays and so i really like to make sure that we're getting enough running back value before we get to that point unless the right receivers fall if the right receivers are there you have to load up because getting the receivers is so difficult if they're not there i like to take the running backs that's one of the reasons why i'm okay passing on hawkinson in all builds really except when you have jefferson if you're going to go jefferson hawkinson cousins i can see that otherwise it's tricky it's so weird to be in an environment where you're like, okay, well, let's look at the round four pick and the round 18 pick, and that will be our two versus two. But when we go to round 18 and we take Dwayne McBride versus a free Hunter Henry, but the one the thing I would say on that is Travis Etienne and Dwayne McBride is a lot bigger than the difference between Hawkinson and Hunter Henry would be my guess. I mean, but as there a is a chance scenario that where Hawkinson point... can be a superstar. He could be a superstar, but are, are we at the point potentially of the season where, you know, we think these guys should be going higher in ADP and maybe that's into the 16th round and because they're in the 18th round, they're going free that we kind of start to, you know, build a little bit too much upside into those profiles. For example, Gasecki is going the 17th and then Hunter Henry's not been drafted, but is there a case that we're overvaluing certain aspects of, these late tight ends with the upside being added in like as much as i like trey mcbride does he finish the season as a top five tight end that is a question that is tricky to ask but i think tj hawkinson finishes in there with the upside of being in the the top three and potentially you know given travis kelsey a run for his money if if what we've seen when he arrived in minnesota last year holds true to 
I think even 75% of the extent that it did at that particular moment in time. So I think the upside is so high. I, I think it's going to be tricky for these guys who are going in the 17th, 18th round to, you know, outperform Hawkinson. That's a fantastic point. That's a fantastic point. We can get too excited about players who look like they're a little bit undervalued and forget that being a little bit undervalued at that position in that area of the draft is somewhat meaningless. I guess this would be my counter, which is that one, I think that Laporta is a great pick. I'm, t- I'm picking him too often. But if he's the guy who often becomes the right selection in the round 13, 14, 15 range, then I do think that the risk with the rookie is such, or the profile with the rookie, when you think about the various scenarios that can develop with a rookie, that you're starting to think more about, okay, well, now I want a third tight end because I don't want to just have one tight end and then a rookie who's not doing anything. So Laporta probably works a little bit better in three tight end builds. And then you think about, well, if I'm into the three tight end builds, I probably don't want to pay a lot for the first guy. But the other element when you have Hawkinson is that now you really do want to just be two tight ends. But for me, building a team in 2023 that is just two tight ends is almost a little bit tough, even though I like so many of the tight ends. I like so many of the tight ends, but almost all of them are guys who, I mean, are really three tight end build players. I I think you really like when you're looking through, you almost need two tight ends before round 10 to be truly, truly comfortable and and the options that are going. And even when we're in round 10, you know, it's Fairmouth. He was somebody who went one pick before us. He was somebody that I would have taken. That was a range where Brian Robinson and Pat Fairmouth were the two guys that, I wanted they both go two picks before but i think they're a hawkins and firemouth build then frees up that extra roster spot interested to see what your thoughts will be on changing that for for geno smith who we had we probably then are really pushing quarterback that little bit later which again may get us into three quarterback build but we also had the option with that last selection to take desmond ritter who we passed on so there is lots of options but i do think once you start to get past that round 10 there's a lot of tight ends in that range who i really like both first and second year guys you know even the likes let, let's go through the list in round 11 to conco and dulcich i'm passing on schultz but we have kincaid then in the 13th everett's a veteran who we like but we probably know where the ceiling is there but then you've even cole Komet, who may continue to to improve you have sam laporta then we're getting into you know the, the 16th round is conklin and knox we kind of know probably what we're getting there but then you're really into these guys in the 17th, 18th round. It's Trey McBride in the second year, Michael Meyer first year, Luke Musgrave first year, Gasecki hoping for a bounce back. You know, Hayden Hurst, Jelani Woods, then you're into Noah Fan. Then you're talking again about Hunter Henry. So the guys who are actually targeting there are mainly first and second year guys who were hoping that they really take that step up. We like their talent. We like their draft slot. We like a lot about them, but realistically, you know, it's it's definitely not going to be a hundred percent hit rate, but you know, if it's uh, even a fifty-fifty, we're probably doing well out of those younger tight ends. And you make some great points, and one of them, in terms of how you and I look at it, at least, is that I just don't have hardly any interest in these tight ends who are volume-based plays. And it's not to say that they never hit, because they do hit from time to time. But with the pure volume-based plays, you just have the one path. 
Whereas if you look at someone like a Trey McBride, I mean, there's a, a similar volume-based play there where, I mean, you have Zach Ertz who didn't offer anything before he was injured. You don't have much at all at the running back position. You don't have much at all in reality at the wide receiver position. So for him to consolidate routes in this offense, and especially in the second half of the season or the last third of the season with Kyler Murray, you've got the volume-based play, but you also have the talent-based thesis. So we're trying to select tight ends, Mike Kosicki. You have both the volume and the talent-based thesis. You have the fact that he's done it in the past. You have Noah Fant. You have both the volume and the talent-based thesis. He's gone through stretches in the past where he's done it. You think about Hunter Henry, who is undrafted, and you have both the volume and the talent thesis there. So we're trying to play both elements of it as opposed to just volume and certainly just correlation. The correlation at tight end is not nearly as interesting as it would be at the receiver position. So that does take actually a lot of names off the board as general targets. That doesn't mean that there wouldn't be a specific one-off draft where you would take them. And we took Anthony Richardson at QB in this draft, but mostly those guys are not really in the conversation, especially when you have so many options who give you both. But those options are options that you're looking at in three tight end builds. You're looking at them at the end of drafts. And so what you described there is exactly the way I'm thinking about it. We wouldn't really expect him to make it an additional spot because he was already way below ADP. But if Pat Fryermuth makes it one more, it really makes this draft because Gino is going to go through that turn anyway. We can just See, take him. My my the thought there too was if he gets through that pick, then then you're into a Kenny Pickett build. Right. And so you're leaning a little bit more that direction also. You're going to have Fryermuth and then you have this second spot opened up. Pickett in this draft goes at 16-0-1. the 16 1. So, like, you're taking him then probably at that Chuba Hubbard pick at the 15-2. But I think, again, our second quarterback, you know, I think we probably pass on Richardson if we don't take Gino as well is probably part of that discussion. But um, I do think Fairmouth then with George Pickens then with Pickett would be quite interesting on this roster. And we do get the Pickett selection from a manager with Deontay Johnson and Tyler Lockett. So they effectively set that up and then executed it late in the draft at a good price for themselves there. The other thing that you can look at here, and I think we probably should have done. And so I would consider this. I mean, usually when we go back here and we look at these drafts and there's a pick that we really don't like, even if that's the case, it's very difficult to find a selection that will be better. And that's how you ended up making a pick that you didn't like in the first place. I think that for me, the Dulcich, passing on Dulcich at 122, even though his ADP is a little bit lower, it's probably going to continue to rise. One of the minor mistakes that I made here, and if you are drafting with us and you you know, really want to emphasize our approach and our rankings, you can go to the rankings page, click on the underdog rankings, go down to the bottom, go under the first download button to the second download button, and you can get an uploadable ranking sheet that you can add to underdog column. I have updated rankings from last night that I forgot to upload here, which would have probably reminded <laughs> us that. So, I mean, we were drafting off a ranking sheet that's a, a few days older. That's the, tr that's the $3 million gone, Sean. 
$3 million gone because actually... We forgot to upload the rankings. I'm familiar enough, especially if you're drafting solo, where you don't have to work through the time constraints in quite the same way. When I'm drafting solo, it's kind of funny because I actually work on rankings or I work on article at the same time that I'm drafting. When we do the shows, it's so funny because you're under so much time pressure. You talk about the previous drafts or your previous picks, how the things are going to work. You get on the clock. You're talking with your partner. You got a filibuster as well. Well, I mean, you got to talk about stuff. I, the fil- I love the filibuster, but I also just, I mean, <laughs> you've got like 10 seconds. So yeah. if you want to have any discussion anyway. Yeah, I think uh, the, in the, the solo next part- drafts, I haven't had the pressure to upload my newest rankings. So I usually forget to do it because I know how I'm going to approach this. But Colin, for this draft, I wish I had the upload. I wish I had uploaded the most recent ones because that would have had Dulcich high enough to remind us that we needed to reach there. If we had reached there, I think it would have helped this team. Yeah, and I think it's it's always fun. This is one of the most fun I've had breaking down a team because I mentioned when we did the draft, we did some different things, and I purposely used some kind of you know the splits between player versus player to make it a little bit different. But again, missing out on Fairmouth, Dulcich would have fit in there in this particular roster. But I I think it ideally we get Fairmouth and then. We we pitch, we pitch the uh, option to get Kenny Pickett, but I think Sean, very fun draft, very fun recap, very. I think it's a I think it's a, a good team, but I'm always biased when it's our own rosters. But just to remind again, the the overall full roster was Chase into Higgins into Ramondre Stevenson, followed Ramondre Stevenson up with T.J. Hawkinson. That's obviously the pick Sean doesn't want on this roster. We get Chris Godwin, Jackson Smith, and Jigby George Pickens. And then Brandon Cooks really like that wide receiver stretch that we got based on the amount of wide receivers that went in the draft in that zone, I think went really well. The other question I was going to mention to Sean, maybe we'll get his thoughts on this, is we did pick Pickens at 74 in this. That's the 702. You mentioned DeAndre Swift. He went three selections later, 77 at the 705. That was another one that we could have potentially changed to have the running back there. But I did think, again, I was thinking ahead to potentially an option for Pickett later in the draft at the quarterback option when we make that selection. But that's one that maybe we could have changed in hindsight um, that might have allowed us at that pick 98, um, you know, where we take some ICP Ryan to to maybe go in a different direction. But looking at the players that are taken after that point, it's really Sky Moore or Rashad Penny that, it, you know, I'd be most interested in there. We move on then to Smith, Geno Smith, that is then Anthony Richardson, then Kendry Miller and round 12 as we get ready to close out the draft in that portion with Rishi Rice, Sam Laporta, uh, Chuba Hubbard, and then the last couple of picks, Chase Brown from Cincinnati, Michael Mayer, and Dwayne McBride. So I think there's a nice combination of upside. I think this is a team that you are really trying to play you know, some high-end upside scenarios in it to try and see this team have success, but really enjoyed it. Sean, any final thoughts before we get ready to wrap things up here on the recap? Well, as you look through this team, seven picks in the double-digit rounds are rookies. That probably is too much rookie exposure there. I do like the stretch that we had, as you mentioned, with Godwin, JSN, Pickens, and Brandon Cooks. That went very nicely. The selection in round nine of P. Ryan is a little bit difficult. Maybe you prefer just to go with Sky Moore. He was the person that you mentioned. Now that the Chiefs are very clearly and cleanly separated from Hopkins and don't have to worry about that, I think you're going to 
witness all of the Chiefs wide receivers rise a bit. They all have so much risk, and there are enough different pathways for that passing game that I don't think they're going to rise a ton, but you will have to probably reach a little bit in the next week or so based on what ADP is. Anthony Richardson, such an interesting selection there. We selected him as an ADP value. How far is he going to fall? That'll be a question that we track through the upcoming months, the next six to eight weeks. Kenry Miller, is he going to be healthy and practicing at the beginning of training camp? Can we start to see him make a move against the veterans? Obviously, we love Laporta. We love Mayer. This is a fun team. It was a fun draft. Can't wait to do another one. Yeah, we'll do some more soon. Anyone with their thoughts on what happened in this draft, best pick, worst pick, what we should have done differently, let us know. If you're watching on YouTube, you can drop it in the comments. If you're listening in on the audio side of things, you can send us an email if you want at rotovizradio at gmail.com. You can contact me on Twitter at OverTimeArden. Let us know. We love to get that interaction. It's been awesome over the last couple of months getting to know the Rotoviz OT community more and more, have those interactions. So we appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. We will be, of course, back on friday with another edition of the show looking forward to bringing that to you anyone with topics questions thoughts that they would like to see potentially turned into shows let us know we're always happy to get those listener influenced topics and questions to cover what people are really looking to hear from myself and sean so we'll have those coming your way my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to martin my co-host is sean siegel check out of sean's all of sean's work up on rotaviz.com and until we are back have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.